Thank you for choosing to join us for episode number 15 of Kansas City Food Memories, where we honor the legendary Hayward Spears from Hayward's Barbecue in Johnson County, Kansas. Now remember, this is a taped presentation of a live show, so do not call or text in when prompted during the podcast. And also, please remember the views expressed by the guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the hosts. Thank you and enjoy. Good morning and welcome to Kansas City Food Memories, episode number 14, 15, 16, something like that. I think it's episode number 15. But welcome. We're starting to finally get our finder groove and figure out what we're doing here. It's originally start off, we just wanted to take a stroll down memory lane and give people an opportunity to share their favorite food memories from the 1980s and 90s. It's taken on a life of its own, and we now have listeners in about 20 countries around the world, thousands of people around the United States, people that probably relocated from Kansas City or friends and family. And last week was interesting. We had Jim Eddy from Eddie's Loafenstein. And the he whole, is a blast. That was so much fun. Yep. His sister called in from California, and he had no idea that she even listened to the show or knew what it was. Yeah. And she said, no, she's been listening to it for several weeks. and. Yeah. She was a fun lady to oh, talk she, with. Oh, that was fun. She uh, goaded him into telling us the Barbara Streisand story, which was <laughs> which was embarrassing but hilarious. <laughs> His dad refused to book her because he didn't think she was going to become anything. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and she ended up being one of the biggest uh, singers in the world. Duh. Yeah, but I guess we, we all make mistakes, not quite as grand as that one was. Well, I don't make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we know you do. Yeah. Mm, big time. Yeah, you got to remember that most of my listeners probably started as your listeners, so... Yeah. So I, they, they know better than that. But this is Kansas City Food Memories. My name is Robert Dunsing, and I um, best regards Bakery and Cafe, the bakery that my wife and I owned, has uh, made this show possible and sponsoring uh, today's episode of this. If you want to know more about Best Regards Bakery, go to makethemsmile.com. And what's interesting is you're definitely going to want to go there today or this weekend Go to the top left-hand corner. There's an email. Sign up. So what, what you want to do is you want to go sign up for the email because on this Monday, day after tomorrow, I'm going to be sending a very special email with a couple of different specific offers that you're only going to get if you find out about the email. One of them is uh, one of the questions I get from a lot of people that love this show is they want to know how to support us because they know I'm paying for this out of my pocket. So we're going to have our first ever Kansas City Food Memory goodie box that we're going to start taking orders for on Monday. And 100% of the proceeds of those boxes are going to go to help find uh, fund the show. So uh, that'll be in the email coming up on Monday. Then also, if you have some feedback or you have some contacts for material for the show or you know somebody that was working in one of these legendary restaurants, I want to get in contact with you. And so my personal email address, and I probably shouldn't do this, but my personal email address. What's your telephone number? Um, I, I'll number. pull it up. I'll give them yours. Yeah. I have your home phone number. <laughs> but my email is robert at makethemsmile.com. It's robert at makethemsmile.com. But go to the website and make sure you sign up for that. Another thing that's going to be important to do, if you do not have our phone number for the radio show programmed into your phone, Make an effort today to get that on your speed dial. So it's KMBZ 98.1. The phone number is 913-586-7798. Now that is for the phone line, and that is Robert, the text Robert, what do line. I tell my guests? It's on the speed dial, so I don't have Well, to. you don't need to talk fast. All right. Okay, Nine, what's the phone number? Okay, 913-586-7798. That's better. And that's, uh, that's one digit off from what the number's been for the last 15 years. 
So you want to put that in there, and that works for the phone line and the text line. Now, if you're one of the people that listens to our podcast, because the show is saved as a podcast, and you can now get that anywhere you get music. What is a podcast? Yeah, you haven't I've never on, done that. Okay, for the loners, uh, for all the, the new listeners out there, Toby always talks about using a dial-up phone or a rotary phone and doesn't mm, know all I these do. apps. Yeah, but I, you want me to tell what, uh, Toby, what brand phone do you have right now? I don't know. It's an iPhone. No. Yeah, it is. No. Yeah, I, I know no, you got an a, iPhone. So it's on your phone. I'll show you I how to listen to it. I think mine's an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, you can go to um, um, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, any of those, and you can find this. Um, you can find our podcast. You'll be able hmm. to do that. Okay. So if you are listening to the podcast, do not call or text in right now. You'll be able to do that. See, last week we had um, Jim Eddy. The week before was Costello's Greenhouse, mm-hmm. the Costello family. And I asked them what was the one single item that people missed the most, and they said without a doubt it was the Italian wedding soup. soup. Yeah. And so not only did they give me the recipe, but Mama Costello made me a batch of the soup for us to try. So long story short, it is on our menu starting today. So if you want to re-experience Costello's Greenhouse Italian Wedding Soup, you can come into Best Regards. We have it by the court and the soup, and we'll have that all week long, which is perfect timing because of the cold spell that's coming in. Now, are you going to have it through next weekend, or does it stop No, Friday? I'll do it through. I'll do it at least through next weekend. Through next weekend. Yeah, we'll do it through next okay. weekend. All week through next yeah, weekend. Yeah, because I look the weather. It's still going to be a little bit chilly, so we'll be able to do that. All right, so today's guest, our theme, so... Here's the thing for listeners that have been following us for the last few months. Whenever I have a foodie on or somebody that gets involved in the industry, I always ask them, I like to ask them, what was the first barbecue restaurant that you went at that, that really made you fall in love with Kansas City Barbecue? And the answer for me, and I've told the story, was Hayward's Barbecue at 95th and um, Antioch. For our Tobin family, too. So, so that, that was, was true for the Tobin place. family. Yes. Yeah, Mark talked about that. Um, Rod Gray said that that was his very first barbecue joint. And it's um, and I don't usually have somebody on with a current restaurant. We t- focus on restaurants from the past, but Hayward Spears was such a legend in this town, and he created, I think, a lot of the passion that we have. And so I have, I have two people that both know uh, today's guest. So today I have Eric Sweeney. And um, when did you first, Eric, when did you first... Um, start working at Hayward's. How old were you? Well, we'll start off. Oh, excuse me. Good, good oh. morning, everybody. Out Tur- oh, there. turn your, go ahead and hit the red button. There you go. Well, uh, let's start off with a good morning to everybody out there listening to the show. Um, the simple. Closer to the mic. Simple question yeah. to that <laughs> answer would be um, I started working for Hayward in 1972 as an 11 year old and. Um, almost 12 in the summer of 72 and I um and I, I built the fire in the pit for him um in that summer so um, what time would you have to do that 7 a.m I'd go down and take the embers and charcoal and what was left over from the cook the night before start a new fire cub scout style and then go back down at uh though three or four o'clock in the afternoon and take that burn out and um, start a new fire for the overnight cook how did you get a job with them at such an early age? Did you know the family? Um, well, my dad, we lived really close to there, so um, my dad would get barbecue from Hayward, and uh, I just he'd mentioned that there was possibly an opening 
uh, for a job down there. Um, so I um, explored the opportunity, and then I guess to say the rest is history. Yeah. So when did he open Hayward's? Well, it was it wasn't seventy two. It was seventy. It was called Cherokee Pit Barbecue. And um, so that was in 70, and Leonard McKenzie, Leonard McKenzie owned the United Supers there on the corner. So uh, he, uh, he leased out a spot to Hayward there, and then um, that was also Pizza Queen. Um, and, the, and the man that owned Pizza <coughs> Queen, he moved across the street into Valley View Shopping Center, and, and Hayward opened a, a Cherokee Pit Barbecue there. And in 72, he uh, changed it from Cherokee Pit Barbecue to Hayward's Pit Barbecue. All right. So what made him and that place so amazing? What set him apart back then? Well, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but it is Johnson County's oldest barbecue restaurant. We're in our 53rd year. And uh, so uh, some of the things that make it famous is that um, Hayward's passion, you know, and if you don't – if if you don't have passion for what you're doing, then it's just a job. And so, um, and everybody realized that the quality of food and, um, and the graciousness of the man, and um, they just put that together and it was just a surefire hit. So, you know, it, um, he had passion, you know, like I have passion. And if, you know, anybody who moves on in this kind of business needs to have passion i'm sure you could probably concur with that robert yeah well you know it's um the reason you know rod um we we talked about rod not rod gray and i the reason we fell in love with it is when you went in there is good food is is an obvious thing that you have to have to you know to be succeed as a restaurant yes but if you want to become iconic you know one of these restaurants that come up every week on our show is that you know you've got to have more than that you know the owner the passion from the owner to be involved in actually talking to customers. So many new new restaurants that try to be chef-driven, the chef stays in the back, and they think that doing a beautiful plate and great, artly crafted, amazing foods is all it takes. You know, But we as consumers, we want more than that. And I can't tell you how many times I went in there and Hayward was in there, you know, sitting in the bar or walking around talking to people and would actually have conversations and educate us about what made great barbecue. Because back in the, you know, in the 80s, I moved to Kansas City in the mid-80s. You know, that was before, you know, the, everybody really obsessed with trying to cook at home. You know, yes. that's probably in the early stages of it. And he was one of those people that was more than willing to try to share the craft. Yes, there's a lot of stories with Hayward's out there, uh, you know, and I hear a lot of those from uh, past customers and, and customers still today. And um, so you know, Hayward passed away October 2nd of last year. And so that... Um, that kind of left a void in everybody's hearts because, you know, they had a personal story or something that they had, you know, special with Hayward. And that kind of thing is um, it's kind of hard to get these days because, you know, uh, as owners or people that you employ work for you, um, and their passion needs to, they need to buy into the same passion that you have. And, so that's really hard and to find. And once you find that group of people, then um, the rest is, is easier because they're doing all the hard work and you're out in front um, greeting customers. In his day, he, he had a lot of new customers and a lot of repeat customers, but um, you're always trying to grow the business and you grow the business through um, personal relationships with your customers and remembering their name and 
um, remembering their kids' names and, um, and, and having a topic of a conversation that you can bring up that's a really kind of a kitchen table um, kind of topic, and that's Kansas City Barbecue. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of these customers, they, come, they become your family. Yes. You know, they become part of you, your family, and you become part of theirs. You know, well, life events. Yeah, one thing I really noticed a lot, you know, when I first bought Hayward's, because I was kind of a nervous Nelly, and um, I'd never owned anything before, and just, but I had a lot of passion, and he, my, Hayward used to say, he had a lot of good quotes, um, but one would stick with me a lot would be, um, you know, can't judge the, you can't judge your business on a day-to-day basis. It'll go, you'll go crazy on it. You, <laughs> you have to judge it on a year-to-year basis, and so I just try to live up to that. Yeah. Um, that mantra that he had and it seemed to have worked out some you know somewhat pretty well so far because we're still we're still open (laughs) yeah so um is Rocco in there out okay all right so uh we'll get ready and open up the calls in the next few minutes um so if if there's anybody out there that we can't turn it on just yet but get the phone number ready 913-586-7798 and we'll tell you when we open up the lines You'll be able to call in, and uh, if you have any questions for Eric or you have a story to share about Hayward's, but it's um. So uh, Eric, one of the things people ask us when we're going to move and or open a second location, I always say we're not going to, because it's very few restaurants are able to survive a move. So when is it that Hayward's moved from the 95th and Antioch um, location to the absolutely humongous College in Antioch location? Do you remember when that was? Well, uh, so that that was he ran the location at 95th and Antioch from uh, 72 to 81. Okay, and um, there was a lot of going on there because Corporate Woods was being built, and uh, um, Johnson County Community College uh, was Hayward's actually on the fa- um, founding member of the Johnson County C- Community College board, um, so he he had a foothold. Um, in, in the in the community and in, in, in the county and in the city of Overland Park and um, so they you know in, in a nutshell um, so was that 91 when he moved then well he moved up on the hill in 80 in uh, 1981 I still have the plaque in the restaurant I'm in now okay. um, from that building originally the, it's got the builder's name and Hayward and Hattie's name as owners on there and um, so that's uh, we were there till 2015. Yeah. Okay. So, um, were you working with him when when they made that move from from 95th to college? No. My my stint uh, there was um, as an 11 year old, and then I moved on to other things too. I worked at Betty Crocker Treehouse as the dishwasher. All right. That's fine. That's come <laughs> up a few times here. So, uh, you know, but but I still frequented the place and, um, you know, as my go-to barber. Did you work place. with him as a pit master? No. Oh, okay. Not, not with Hayward, you know. Okay. You know, by the time I took over, he, 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 um, he didn't own it from 08 to 2013. Um, and uh, it just, it fell upon um, hard times back then because nobody knew how to really, the people who owned it didn't really know how to cook the barbecue, so... Um, I took over in thirteen, and there's the rest is history. <laughs> okay, so uh, so when so he he when did he stop owning the restaurant then? Uh, that would have been in 08. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then um, did he still come around and help you guys out? Well, he still had an office in the back um, at the back of the building on the west side over there. Uh, uh, 
and so he he would come in daily because that was just his routine and um whether he owned the restaurant or not he he's still part he was he wanted to be still part of the future of his name yeah yeah so um that that was that that building was huge yeah that building was uh 8200 square feet and it's seat it seat uh about 270 people um and which is humongous um especially for that time but Here's the great thing about it. He's, he waited on uh, 10,500 people a week, um, which is roughly 1,500 to 1,800 people a day. So if you divide that up by the number of seats, that's seven to eight turns a day. That's amazing. Yeah. Nobody does that. I mean, nobody does that, okay? Present or past. Nobody yeah. in Kansas City has ever done that. Yeah. So, you know, when I bought Hayward's, I, I didn't buy a restaurant. I bought a brand. And... Um, so, and that brand is still, you know, it's iconic and people flock to it as a, like an annual pilgrimage, you know, uh, holidays and special events. They, they come right. to town. Their first stop is usually Hayward's. All right, Rocco, if you can hear me, let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. Okay, so 913-586-7798. All right, Eric, let me get to, let's get back to the nitty gritty. So what made Hayward's barbecue so special and outstanding i mean what did he do different from other barbecue joints back then well i don't really know that he did anything different or than anybody else other than he you know once he once he figured out how, how to make it and he he uh, duplicated the product and so what that means is the people who came in who were learning from him they bought into his his the way of he of him doing it and so right. uh, and that's really important because consistency especially in barbecue is um it's paramount so you, you can't can't stay in business for as long as hayward uh, stayed in business without um having a personal touch and putting your finger on on what it is that makes you so successful right and uh so when we talk about passion it's like people have to buy into that and Hayward was a very, um, he was a very up forward and, but, but yet malleable uh, man because um, he, he, he realized that the, that the success of his business was based on its employees and the consistency of the product and having the customer buy into that great product. And I, one story I'd like to tell real quick is, um, so Hayward, not only, he was a great advertiser and a great marketer, but a lot of people don't really understand some of the things. He was just a nice guy, but he would go table to table, and uh, he would say, "How's everything?" And you know, and he would he would bring a bottle of sauce with him, and he'd say, "You need you're going to need this when you go home with your leftovers," you know. And so, and those people would people would buy it, and you know, and it was it was just a great advertising tool because they take that home with their barbecue, and then every time they open the refrigerator. There stood the bottle of Hayward's, you know, straight straight out in front, and gold and and you know bright yellow and red, and so um, that was just a way of um, the people pay, actually paying for their own advertising. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, um, let's go ahead. And we have a caller. Who do we have, Toby? Good morning, Jerry. Welcome to Kansas City Food Memories. Hey, great, uh, great to be on. I really like your guest here. This is a fantastic. Uh, uh, person uh, Hayward's been around for forever, and 
serving up great barbecue. And I was just wondering if uh, when he looked for the certain type of meat, uh, the briskets to buy, did he look for a certain fat content or or uh, and and what I don't know if he can give out proprietary information about where he got his meats, but uh, if if not, uh, maybe at least tell us what uh, percentage of, of fat uh, content he was kind of shooting for. All right. Well, let me step in so I, do, I, I to to help protect Eric a little bit. Um, yeah. Because I don't want to share anything. So from a consumer standpoint. If if you go to places that we now have access to prime grade brisket, you know, at Costco and a couple other places, okay. as a smoker, Eric, do you think is that worth pin, sp- spending an extra dollar, dollar fifty a pound? Well, let's try to answer the the question from the caller and yeah. yours in the same sentence. So, I I didn't actually cook any of the meats for Hayward back then. I just set the fire. I was not smart enough to figure out fat and meat, you know. <laughs> That much, but I can tell you that, um, especially on brisket, it's really the toughest part of the cow. So, um, graining is essential in there, and um, so yep. I'm sure that he he knew that, and I'm sure that whatever yep. meat that he sourced had had that in there. But I don't think it was prime, um, and okay. I don't think it was select either. Um, so okay. currently, like right now, what I do is. Uh, and a lot of people don't do this, but I think this is what separates me from a lot of people is um, uh, people usually barbecue restaurants cook whole briskets, you know, and they could be 12, 13, 14 pounds. And and yeah. uh, it's and the higher grade you get, the more marbling in is it. But at a certain yeah. point, it's not it's not actually the marbling in it. It's it's how you prepare it and how low and slow that you, you cook it, too. So. Um, yeah. fat, fat is flavor, and so yeah. uh, currently, right. we uh, we have all of our um, uh, we have all of our briskets cut out. The flats are separate from from the points, and the reason is that is is because um, you may get you may get a whole brisket that weighs 16 pounds, and then another one that weighs 12, and another one you know that's inconsistently on size. So, yeah. when you cut those pieces out. Um, I have special trim points and, and sizes that I, I will only accept. And, um, okay. and the reason for that is because we once the way we cook it, once you put it in there and you want to just kind of you kind of forget about it. You don't want to keep opening the yeah. doors up and letting the heat out. And my pit master has been with us for eight years and he's he's really good at, at he really he's really good at um, learning that and, and the way we cook. Um, also keeps the, the meat really moist and tender, and um, and so I only I only use choice meat. So because um, sure. prime is really expensive, and you can get the same result um, with choice as you can with prime without paying the extra cost. Jerry, do you oh. compete on barbecue? You just like to cook at home. I, I don't compete. I just like to cook at home. All right. But you know, uh, just a follow-on question, real quick, if it if, if it's possible. Oh, go ahead. Just wondering. Just wondering if um, you ever offer classes on how to cook, uh, uh, how to uh, do do a good job of cooking barbecue. I mean, and maybe include your rub as a as a cell and, and sauces and things like that. Yes. Well, uh, let's go with the last part of that. So my sauce is um, it's it's produced with our rub, and the rub goes okay. on the meat, and then um, like our okay. beans have. Our beans have meat in it, rib tips and uh, yes. brisket pieces and stuff. 
So the flavor of the sauce and with the rub, tie, it ties all the all the food together pretty much. So yeah, uh, that, okay. that's the answer for that. And then the, right. the other the other part of the question, uh, if could you refresh do you do me classes? On that? Well, you know, it's a class every day because I have a lot of customers that come in, and I I meet new people every day, and uh, and a lot of people I'll take back why the why the smokers are actually uh, smoking. Oh. And I'll, I'll yeah. show them around a little bit and give them a, oh. give them a tour. Oh. So okay, because uh, I remember going out to I've been to the, to both of the the earlier ones, and I just noticed not too long ago that you have a place out there on Seventy Fifth Street, and I was not aware of it until just recently. And so uh, that's uh, on my uh, my bad, but but I did uh, really enjoy the one on uh, both of the ones on Antioch. Uh, College Boulevard there was was yes. fantastic. I used to work at Corporate Woods for a while and, and uh, really loved uh, getting lunch over there. So, well, Jerry, uh, you and me both. I love both of those locations. Yeah, well, he yeah. was on up, he was up on the hill for thirty that building for thirty four years until Q thirty nine went in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, well Jerry, keep yeah. listening. I'm going to try to get some a yeah. few more tips for sure, us. Sure. Thanks well, a lot. All you right. Bet, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Bye bye. Bye. All right, Eric. So. You know, for us at home, you know, and I'm asking this as just tips you could give us. Don't don't tell us anything about what you do at the restaurant. I mean, that's you got to protect that, and do things like that. So, like for those of so, there's some barbecue places. That there's one place in town they'll cook the whole brisket. And they don't trim any of the fat off. And for mm. people who don't barbecue or anything like that, you get a whole brisket that has, uh, let's say it's a 16 pound brisket. You trim. There's a inch and a half fat cap on that. You trim that off, you're going to lose about three pounds just right there. Yes. And then when you cook it, what people, you know, why, you know, they want to know why we charge or why you would charge 20 or $25 a pound for a finished product. Then you lose 40% of that weight on top of that. Right. Because some, a lot of the fat cooks out of it. Oh, too. absolutely. And, and then the, you get shrink, you get shrinkage on, on the meat too. So um, it could have started off at 16 pounds, but and that's that's the other thing of getting points and flats cut separately is that it's a huge mess when you take the briskets off there and you got to cut the point out from the flat and then you're losing like uh, Robert said maybe three pounds of of, of ju- juicy deliciousness you know so um, and it's not very consistent so you make one brisket may be kind of good and the other one may be tough you know all right well okay so for um, Eric so. You may not know this, but for us little people that can't buy from the wholesalers, we don't have access publicly to buying points separate. No. Nobody, nobody sells that. So if we're going to buy the whole brisket, uh, which is a decent price, how much of the fat cap would you suggest that we trim off? Should we leave, leave a quarter of an inch? Yes. Okay. I, we, we typically, our, our specs are a quarter inch on the points and then uh, and about a quarter inch on the flats. So. You would out of a, let's say a sixteen pound brisket, you may get a you may get a three and a half pound point with a little bit of fat on it, and you may get a seven to eight eight pound flat. Right. And so you're you're talking about losing the three to four pounds just in fat before you cook it. So right. that helps. Okay. So for the the, the weekend griller, the smoker that that does this, um, most of us do not split that off. Would, if we're just doing it at home, we're doing it, you know, once or twice a month. Would you suggest we separate that and cook those separately? Yes. Here's the here's the reason because once you cut the point out from the flat after the whole brisket's been smoked, you have to reseason it and then put it back on and smoke it some more because it's it's even more tough than the brisket part. So 
when you talk low and slow, we're talking about we do our flats probably eight to ten hours. Some people cook overnight. We cook at two twenty-five, um, but they're pl- they're plenty ready by that time. And and I also have another thing too. It's called encapsulation. And anybody that knows barbecue out there, just they know what that means. And basically, that the the fat the fat gets caught in the cell before it can actually run out. So that keeps the mo- the meat really moist and juicy and flavorful because fat is where the flavor is. Sure. All right. So some people are going to be too intimidated to even try to split that because I mean that's that's a lot of work to kind of split that. Yeah, you may be able to buy whole briskets from uh, maybe like you know your local grocery store and ask them to to cut it out. And if they're any kind of meat cutter at all, they'll know exactly what to do. But if they look at you like you know you're insane, then you probably don't. Probably don't want to buy it because you're probably taking it home probably half as much as you should what you paid for. Yeah. You know, because they, the, they can cut too much out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so have you changed the recipe on the barbecue sauce or have you kept true to what Hayward no, everything's did? consistently the same since I took over. Um, the sauce is made um, commercially for us by Garden Compliments in North Kansas City. And then um, the rub is made by Old World Spice. It's the same people that Hayward's used when he – uh, when when he was producing the sauce in the store, yeah, they've been around forever. Yes, I think we started using them. I think twenty eight years ago. Yes, Old World Spice. Yes, local local family. We may have, may have to bring them well, in. Well, there's another thing there is that they got bought out by a large corporate. Oh, did thing. they? Okay. So instead of two weeks for your rub to be made, now it's six weeks. Are they still making it here? Uh, I make it, and we have it picked up in uh, Concordia, Missouri. Okay. All right, I'll have to look into that then. We don't we don't do the rub anymore. Uh, people come in and ask for it. I'll just give them a you know a pint of rub, just you know, because yeah, it's such a great it's such a great rub, and then also it's a great seasoner for like burgers and chops. Yeah. And, well, it, you know. your rub has great flavor without being overly salty. Right. It's there's very little salt in it. It's not even one of the top ten ingredients yeah. in there. And then we use twenty three different herbs and spices and. Um, and and it's finely ground brown sugar is the only sweetener in there. And yeah. it's, it's not that much of it. Yeah. For the consumer out there, if you see a uh, a um, rub like this, and it seems like you know it's a little expensive compared to the others, you need to understand that salt is the absolute cheapest seasoning that there is out there. So some of those rubs that you think is cheaper because it's a dollar a jar or seventy five cents a jar cheaper, it's fifty percent salt. You know, all those other spices probably cost you individually probably 10 times the price of salt by weight. Oh, absolutely. And then after COVID, you know, everything went up exponentially. So it's, it's you know, it's what they want to charge, you know. And so uh, <laughs> yeah, the profit margin is, yeah. dwindles there when people start doing Oh, that, you know, right? it's, it's really crazy. If you go to Westlake, I mean, they have, gosh, probably, I don't know, 15 linear feet times four shelves of spices now from all over the country. Yes, all right, so so there's a lot of weekend uh, smokers out there. So if they're intimidated with, if let's just say they got a brand new, let's just say they got a brand new pellet smoker, that's a little bit easier. How important is the kind of wood make, or should we not obsess over that in the early stages? Well, I'm I've I've never cooked pellets, so yeah. I've always been a I've always been a stick burner. Um, um, but you know. Um, you want to, if you do pellets, my understanding is you want to stay away th- from everything that doesn't, at least it doesn't have cellulose in it, which is a, it's a, you know, organic, uh, fiber from yeah. wood and that's what keeps it. Yeah. Together. You buy one of the name brand pellets. It, that's not an issue. No, I mean, cause you I, get, 
I use hickory, only hickory. Okay. You know, a lot of guys, uh, the guys that compete and stuff, they use different kinds of wood, oak and red oak. Um, a lot of different uh, Fruit woods. guys in town, yeah, use pecan and oak. And, yeah. But uh, if you want to do traditional barbecue um, uh, from the south, and that's really where barbecue, United States barbecue started, was in the deep south. And that's where they have a lot of hickory trees. Yeah. And uh, I teach people all the time about wood, and they don't, they don't really understand it, but there's two things you really got to think about on the wood part of it is um, you want it wet. You want your wood wet because it smolders better, and the only time you can get really wet wood is like um, in spring and summer when the, the trees are um, sucking up moisture to produce leaves and, and flowers. And then in the fall, um, you can – Toby, you probably could concur on that, but um, – <laughs> But uh, in the fall, it leaches all the water out so that the wood doesn't split when uh, when winter gets below freezing. So that would ruin a lot of trees. So that's the natural thing. So usually what we do is I have the consistent wood guy, and uh, he's awesome. And uh, it's standing yesterday and delivered today, and I'm smoking with it tomorrow. So it okay. has the most moisture in it that you can get. All right. So um, if you take uh, brisket and ribs out, what is something that somebody should really try smoking at home that's fairly fell safe, but that can really impress the friends and family? Well, pork butts are really good to do, you know, okay. and they're, they're kind of fail safe. Uh, they're very forgiving. And, um, and, and one of the, it's one of those things where um, it's, it's good to cheat on that kind of thing, especially from home. You could put it on your smoker low, you know, 250 degrees for four or five, six hours. And then pull it off and then wrap it real good in a pan. Put some moisture in the bottom of the pan and then stick it in your oven for another eight hours at 175, 200 degrees. And you'll be able to pull, pull the bone right out of the center of it and it'll just fall apart. You know, so and, ha- and at a certain point, it has as much smoke as it can take. It's just a cooking process. Up right. Up. Right. Okay, is there anything that you've added to the menu that Hayward would look at and shake his head and say, why did you put that on the menu at a barbecue place? No. No? <laughs> Nothing? Well, because your barbecue guys, you try to use everything you can. I've even yeah. tried I, I tried smoking beef cheeks, and those are really good, by the way, and pork pork jowls. Uh, those are really good, too. They're yeah. brined. Um, so, uh, you know, he just he was pretty consistent on his – Menu, I don't think very many menu items changed over the course of 30, 35 years. I don't um, remember him ever having pastrami on his menu, though. I don't know they did that. Now, we do corned beef, too, right. and, and we sold 500 pounds this yeah. last uh, St. Patrick's Day yeah. um, and uh, cubed and, and, and sliced, too. Right. And uh, But pastrami is another thing I'd like to, to try because smoked pastrami is really delicious. Right. So we do pork belly, too. I brine, cure. Um, that and then we smoke it and cube it or slice it and then and then we fry it and then we toss it and blue cheese crumbles and Frank's Red Hot or the slices are double smoked and they're infused with uh, like a honey and maple syrup and then a habanero uh, powder so they have a little spice on them but they're, they're better than bacon by far um, yeah so yeah he never did that but um that's a big seller for us. But it, I still do the same things that he did. Um, I just added a few things. Every now and then on a menu item, uh, we, we change things up. Yeah. I think that's the way you got to do things today, keep people yeah. people coming back. Cause they, we still have traditional things. But oh, yeah. We have new things, too. 
Now we have a Build-A-Bowl, too. Okay. So we're the only guys in Kansas City yeah. that have a barbecue Build-A-Bowl. Yeah. So you build your own barbecue. It's like a sandwich and a side, but it's all in a bowl. And yeah. you can put 20 Do you, do you have another story um, like that's classic Hayward Spear story that we – because that's what we miss. I mean, you know, that – because every – because when I used to go, when I first came, you know, to Kansas City, I mean, every, whenever I ate there, he'd come to the table and talk to us. We always learned something. But what was something that? Well, I don't know really on that. I mean, other than just like people, because I get a lot of people coming in and they talk about their stories. And, and, I, and I, I just kind of back out of that because I just want to hear what they say about Hayward and their first response. But after a little while, they can only talk so much. And so I... I interject a little bit, and um, so that that they understand that I'm the new owner, and you know I'm not Hayward, but I'm still I'm still passionate, and I and I I'd rather listen than talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's really the only thing that I do because I because um, you have people that have been eating Hayward's fifty three years, yeah. and you have people that lived across the street and didn't even know Hayward existed. Yeah, like you know. So. Well, Toby, you said that. Um, the Tobin family loved going to Hayward's. You know, what, it, absolutely. What, I mean, how was that? I mean, was that a you did that once a month, once a week? What was? Why well, was that a big deal to you guys? Every two or three weeks. Yeah, we go. The so, food was amazing. The, the whole family. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, that's just you know, I miss that. You know, we've talked about it a lot of times why. Because when we started this, I have a list of ninety-five restaurants, ninety-five to hundred restaurants that I thought would come up on our show mm-hmm. that people missed from the eighties and nineties. And it's really, I'd say, 70 of them, nobody's ever mentioned once. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've talked about what, what's, the, what's the magic ingredient that makes it different. Well, you know, uh, Hayward passed away, and then we had a celebration yeah. in life at, at the restaurant for him. And it, um, uh, it was open bar, and op- it was open everything, yeah. whatever you wanted, it was free. And so, but a lot of people who showed up were some past employees and managers of his, and people who worked in the kitchen, you know, we're talking about the work there in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Well, that's 40, you know, 40, 50 years ago. So, you know, they may have been in their 30s or 40s back then, and now they're in their 80s, you know. And so um, that is uh, <laughs> all right. well, that's Eric, a big thing there. All right. Oh, hold on, Eric. I think, um, Toby, yeah. do we have another caller? Yes. Debbie, good morning. Welcome to Kansas City Food Memories. Hi, good morning. Thoroughly enjoying the show about Haywards. I thought I'd just call in and talk a little. We lived uh, close to uh, the 95th and Antioch area um, in the uh, early 80s and um, were introduced to Haywards there in their original location um, and just absolutely loved it. Um, took our daughter when she was a whole three weeks old. That was her first restaurant. We had to take her to Hayward's, even though obviously she didn't eat anything there. But um, And then when they moved to the the other location on college, um, I mean, the wait times were astronomical, and no one seemed to mind at all. I mean, mm-hmm. it was nothing to wait an hour, hour and a half, two hours even, uh, to get a table, and um, but the, no one left. I mean, they, they just the the food was, of course, wonderful. The atmosphere and everything. And I think uh, didn't his wife would sing? Wasn't yes. there? Okay, <laughs> Hattie. Yeah, Sometimes. she'd sing on Friday nights. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that story. 
Yeah, he had a stage up there, so she she sang on Friday nights and she played the piano too. So um, uh, a lot of a lot of customers come in and and ask me if I remember that, and it's like yeah, because my parents took me up there too, even though I worked for them for a little while. But we we ate there, and at, when I got out of co- high school and college, that was the place where everybody met up, you know. So. Um, yeah, there's lots of good stories like that. And I think Robert was asking me that before you, you called in. You're probably thinking of, thinking about uh, what what you were going to say. But, yeah, um, that's that's really what keeps everything alive and, and going, you know. And, and some of the older folks that, um, you know, are in their 80s or whatever, they, they, they live in nursing homes or assisted living, and, and sometimes they get a bus full of, a bus full of those folks and then, you know, bring 30 of them in and they just literally look, they walk around and look at the pictures in the restaurant. And Mm -hmm. I've seen people cry, you know, because they, it takes them Mm -hmm. back to a time when they were vibrant and their their families were eating and enjoying Hayward's. And like you say, nobody was complaining that it was an hour and a half wait because it was, because it's a good chance you were going to see Hayward and you were going to have a great meal. Right. And like you've been saying, that was such a key ingredient was him being there and uh, going around to the tables and stuff, he w- he was just such a wonderful person. And um, well, Debbie, do you even day, remember what your favorite meal there was, or was it more just the environment? Uh, well, I just the barbecue beef, the beef sandwich, and yeah. fries. The fries were always wonderful. Some fries, I mean, sometimes places do good barbecue, but the fries are not good. Which yeah. you know, I guess and. His was a whole package. It was. I just, will tell you a little story about wonderful. the fries. That uh, so when I took over Hayward's uh, in 2013, in February of 13, um, I I actually changed the fries to not steak fries, and so the first three or four days. I was like, um, how long did that last? <laughs> the first three or four days that I was open up, I had people going, "Where's the steak fries?" You know. And I was like, well, we're doing something different. And they're like, I'm not coming back. You know, I'm not, they don't have the steak fries. It's like, you're here for the fries. And they're like, I'm here for the whole package, you know? And so, yeah. uh, so we had them come pick up all those uh, skinnier fries <laughs> and we still use those. Uh, that's the biggest fry I can buy. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, you can't, you, you don't mess with something like that. No, you don't. Yeah. And see, you remember things like that and it's the small, it's the small things and those are the details and that's what makes uh-huh. the business survive. You know, Debbie, have you been to his new location? Uh, on we, my Street? husband, we've been to the one, uh, I don't think it's your current one. Weren't you at another location prior to? Yeah, we were, uh, we were on Santa Fe trail Mary. for three and a half, yeah. almost four years. All right, okay. Eric. Well, tell everybody um, so um, Debbie and everybody else can find you. Oh, I'm at I'm on 75th Street, about a mile west of Advent uh, Med Center. There, um, right across the street from the neighborhood uh, wall, Walmart. There, it's a 10901 West 75th Street, and that's Shawnee, Kansas. It's 65th and Neiman. 75th and Neiman is the cross street. And for all you out there, you can just 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 say Google, uh, find Hayward's, and, yeah. and it'll come up right up at the top there. Well, Debbie, thank you for calling. I'll see if I can get some more secrets out of him. Well, nice call, thank Debbie. You. And to to this day, we have to keep a bottle of Hayward's in the refrigerator at all times. So, I sell it at I sell um, it at the store. Come in next time <laughs> you need it. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. All right. Thank you, so Debbie. Much. Thanks for the call. Uh-huh. All right, Eric, uh-huh. do you still have uh-huh. the uh, portobello strips? Yes, they're they're actually caps. 
Okay. So yeah. caps, and so those are one of our best sellers. They're well, you awesome. cut those into strips. Um, yeah, they're, they're about half inch, yeah. half inch strips, and, yeah. and they're they're cornmeal breaded and three peppers and uh, different peppers in yeah. there, and they're one of our top selling appetizers. Yeah, for people out there, that um, I I highly recommend that one. I mean the. The flavor is absolutely fantastic. It's awesome. They're thick cut strips of the mushroom portobello cap, but seasoned well. Yep. And they're they're it's and they got a crisp they're a crispy coating on the outside. The mushroom's soft and tender. All on right, the inside. I think we have another call coming in. Yes. Good morning, Dave. Welcome to Kansas City Food Memories. Hey guys, how are you? We're Good. Great. Great. Hey, go way way back with uh, Hayward, uh, my my family and and myself uh, were the original people on the French fries. That, that he used and I sold him ham back in the day. And just to give people an idea, a, a like a regular restaurant back then would use probably 30 cases of fries back in say 1980. Right. He was using 130. The place was absolutely, I mean, that's four times what a regular place was doing. And I did want to hit on just his personality. Um, he was a very stern man very good guy, very quiet at times, very disciplined, real meticulous. And I don't know if this has been mentioned. I just got on. He ran every day. He was a runner, big oh. time. Yes, that's and, that's right, every day. Yeah, very disciplined on that and very strict on his specs, like on all the meat that he used back in, the, in, in that, those days. It was the best of everything. I mean, it was not – there was no, like, cutting – corners or anything and he that was just his and i always admired that because he was wildly wildly successful you got to look at that he moved this is a black man that moved put a building out there in southern johnson county at the time and the place went bonkers i mean they, you know it was just phenomenal but the one at 95th same thing it was yes. you couldn't unload they had coolers they he would get deliveries late on friday and they would put the frozen stuff in the coolers everywhere, pack it to the brim so they wouldn't run out of food just for the Friday nights. It was that busy. The place was crazy. But you, he was a very humble. I'll let you guys talk. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, Dave, you really hit on it. That's the most critical thing for a quality restaurant is consistency because there's nothing that drives right. me crazy as a consumer is to go a place, get a great meal, and the next week it's either bigger, smaller, or different. You know, it needs to right. be the same. And it takes, you know, they, they you can, you know, they may have said he was stern or something like that, but you've got to put systems in place because that's the only way you create a reputation and keep that customer long term. You've got to do that. Well, in, in, the, in the barbecue business, it's brutal because you've got waste and shrinkage. And you, when you talk about briskets, you can have 70 briskets and those are all off different animals. And it, yeah. I mean, you just different, they're different yeah. cuts, different you know, health conditions, different whatever. So it's hard to get it and get it right consistently. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. But uh, very proud of my relationship with him. I enjoyed many, many talks. Well, Dave, um, were you listening about 10 minutes ago when Eric sh shared his brilliant first move as owner of Hayward's? I, I was. That's why I called in. <laughs> I was thinking, God, please don't tell me you did that. Please. Because, I mean, uh, there's, a, there's another company, another barbecue group that uses that same fry and has forever and i mean just do 
There's just certain <laughs> things you just cannot mess with. And uh, he found out. That's all. I found out the I found out the hard way. Cause but I, you I what, man? <laughs> and you went back. That's what it's all about, though. That's what it's all about. Well, you know, it's funny, but, you know, as, as, as humans and individuals and business owners, you always think you need to stay up to date. So sometimes we think that means changing something. It's like, well, if this is good, I could that that'll be even better, you know. And I'm sure you did the math that the skinnier fries cook in half the time as the big thick ones. It was all just a you know a, a plot to get people in there and, <laughs> and out as quick as I could. But really, you just try to focus on, um, like I said earlier, the small things. The, the details are they're finite, you know. It's um, you, you got to knock off every one of them in a row, and you have to do it every day consistently. And so it's different, like, than people who compete, who run, you know, run their black box over to the judges, you know. I, my judges are my customers, and I, I back myself up against the wall and wait for them to come in. So I have to make sure that it's the first the first piece of meat that we serve is as good as the last piece of meat we serve, the, you know, at the end right. of the day. And it's tough in the barbecue. He used to book ribs. They go up in the summertime, as you know. And, I mean, truckloads of them. He had that kind of buying power with one store. It was incredible uh, back back in the day. It really was. I mean, everyone in the food business in town knew how weird that was, that that volume was that strong. And his wife was a lovely lady. Well, like you, I heard you guys say she did sing in there, and she was in yes. there quite a bit back in the day. He always wore a black kind of very well-dressed jumpsuit type thing. Uh, I can't describe it, but he was very well-dressed, soft-spoken yes. at times. But uh, very, very. Or he he was in his, in his in a, he was in his jogging it. suit. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's well, true. That's true too. Well, well, Dave, thank you for calling in because you okay. helped us clarify a little bit. But why he was such a legend? Because yeah, Dave, come in and stop in. And, enjoyed all my time with him. Well, stop that, in during the day. I'm usually there between nine thirty and three. I'll do it. I'll come in and see you. All right. Thanks. You bet. Take care. Take care oh, thank you. I think we got one more caller. Yes. Good morning, Phil. Welcome to Kansas City Food Memories. Hi, this is Phil. Phil yeah. and LeBlanc. Um, I um, uh, probably ate at Hayward's in one of its earlier incarnations because I first came to Kansas City in 66 and, and, and did uh, the barbecue tour. Um, uh, but I had it fallen off my radar and I only became reacquainted with it. I think it was last spring and they fed hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, it was such a great uh, culinary experience because I've become a, I fancy myself a, a bit of a, um, a connoisseur of burn-ins. Nice. And of late, I have been so disappointed in, in so many of the burnt-end burnt end offerings, uh, you know, around town. Um, some of the most famous uh, barbecue places um, uh, serve their burn ends that are really just chunks of brisket floating in sauce, which is, I, I think, a travesty. Absolutely. And and then there are other places where they're, you know, the burn ends are uh, uh, tender enough and crusty enough, but I've noticed that there's not a hint of smoke about them. Yeah. And, well, Phil... and yeah, I was going to say yeah. not so Haywards. Not so Hay. My whole point is that Haywards. Haywards, and I don't know anybody at Haywards. I, you know, but but uh, I have no personal connection with the with the establishment. But Hayward, the Haywards burnt ends that I had were everything I would have expected burnt ends to be. And furthermore, it's just a nice place, and the servers 
were so nice in spite of being harried, you know, by having to serve so many people who were eating for free. I hope, you know, most of them at least tipped the servers, but the servers had a, had a great attitude. And I just, uh, I can't, I can't praise them enough. And I have no excuse for having not returned there since, and I'm going to have to put it on my list of, Yes, and the, our burn-ins are the best. You look on my menu, it says Kansas City's best burn-ins, period, and then the word period. And I can't say that and back that up unless people come in and try them. And so anybody who's a new customers of Hayward's, when they come in, if I, if I can greet them, and I do, I host a lot, um, I ask them if they've ever had our burn-ins, and they say no. I go and get four or five burn-ins from the kitchen and bring it out to the table, and, and I've had people said, I'm from Texas, I'm from Carolina, I'm from, uh, you know, wherever. And these are the best burn-ins I've ever tried. And you don't need to put sauce on ours. Uh, a lot of other people use flats, cut those up and have them swimming in sauce. Those aren't true burn-ins. I, I have a true burn-in. All right. Well, uh, Phil, thank you for calling in. We're coming up on the end of the show. Uh, but I appreciate you calling in and bringing up You're some of that. You're most welcome. Yeah. So, Eric, thank you, so Phil. let me put you on the spot. Burn-ins. Uh, economics have kicked in in the last uh, probably five years. The, the, the demand for the points is so extreme that the price has gone through the roof. So as a restaurant, barbecue restaurant owner, you have to make a choice. If you stick to the true burnt ends, it's the point only, but then you're going to run out. Or everybody else, the places, they, know, they don't want to say, I'm out. So then they cut up the flat right. and claim that it's a burnt end. Right. So what do you do? Well, we never run out of burn-ins okay. because um, my my purveyor can cut as many as I order. Okay. Um, so, and I try. We cook. We only smoke five days a week. So, um, all right. So you do strictly the point. All right. Yes. So uh, we're coming up on the end of the hour. So again, if you want to go to Hayward's, it's basically seventy fifth and Neiman. Yes. And Shawnee. So go check him out. Ask for Eric. He's usually there. You can talk to him. See if he can channel the spirit of Hayward Spears. Thank you for coming in. Or you may run into my son, Riley. He's our general manager. Okay. Well, Toby, what do you think of today's show? Great. We made it. And it's over. Thank you. (laughs) This concludes this broadcast of Kansas City Food Memories. That was fun.